Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Alam at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I trust you are doing well wherever in the world you are today. Uh, we are talking about, uh, about God's grace and man's faith. And so we are really talking about two subjects in one. We are talking about grace, the subject of grace, and then we are talking about the subject of faith. But we are joined them together because in the Bible we see very clearly that grace and faith are interwoven and they're very tied together because grace is the wellspring of faith and the two always work together. I mean, there's no faith without God's grace and grace uh, one responds to in faith. So that's why, you know, and yesterday I, uh, we talked about, uh, uh, about coming out of the law into grace, uh, you know, and uh, the first scripture I quoted you, I believe was Hebrews 6.1 where it talks about the, uh, the, the fundamentals, you know, the, the, the fundamentals of the Christian faith, the, the, the foundational beliefs, you can say. And the first one of them was repentance from dead works. It is interesting. It was not repentance from sin, uh, which is, you know, for everybody, because the book of Hebrews was written to Hebrew Christians, Jewish Christians, and they were told to repent of their dead works. That means repent from their dead works. Dead works means that their own uh, good works, which they supposed would lead them to being accepted by God, because that was the whole ethos of the, of the, uh, of, uh, the uh, Jews' religion, of Judaism, that you keep the law of God, and if you can manage to keep the law of God, then you are accepted by God. But then the problem was that Paul said, by the works of the law can no man be justified in his sight because it is impossible for man to keep the law. And actually the whole purpose of the law was to lead people to Jesus because Jesus fulfilled the law for us. And he bore our sins and our transgressions and our iniquities. And he kept the law, fulfilled the law. And those who are in Christ, they are accepted by God because of the grace of God and because of their faith in Jesus. So uh, that is why uh, we, we have to come out of the law and totally into grace. And today I'm going to tell you why that is important. And that is because grace and faith do not mix. If you read the New Testament, you'll see that, I'm sorry, grace and the law do not, I'm, I didn't mean grace and faith, that was a slip of my tongue. I, mean, I meant that grace and works do not mix. They're like oil and water. You can never mix grace and works. So because the first scripture I'm going to show you is Hebrews chapter 10 verse 9. And this is Jesus. He says, then he said, lo, I come to do thy will, O God, and says, he taketh away the first that he may establish the second. So Jesus, he came to do the will of the Father. And one of the things that is uh, included, incorporated into the will of the Father is to take away the old that he may establish the new. Because it's right here that Jesus came. It says, he taketh away the first that he may establish the second. That means he takes the old away and he brings in the new. And so there is, you, you cannot really, you know, live in the new and then you incorporate into it pieces of the old 
what I mean by that, you cannot say, well, I'm saved by grace, but now I've got to keep some of the laws of Moses in order to be accepted by God. You cannot mix the old and the new because Jesus, it says, he himself said, he said, it says that he takes away the first that he might establish the second. I'm sorry. He came to take away the old in order to, to establish the new. Now, in Romans 11, verse 6, and it says, um, these, these are the words of the Apostle Paul, and if by grace, <coughs> then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be a works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. In other words, he makes a very, very clear demarcation between the grace of God and the works of man. Because you see, the works of man, uh, people do their good works, uh, keeping the law of Moses, in order to be accepted by God. Grace has the same motive in that to make us accepted by God. But they are opposite. And there's no similarity between them. But the striking thing is that grace actually leads us to being accepted by God. Because grace is, is uh, actually in the imputation of the finished work of Christ into our lives. So when we give our lives to Jesus, everything that Jesus did in his death, in his life, in his death and his resurrection is counted into our account. And we, because we are, our lives are hidden in Christ, we are accepted in Christ as being righteous. We are righteous because of Christ and in Christ. Now, grace gives us that. But righteous, uh, but uh, I'm sorry, but works can never, never, never lead to righteousness. Because works are the works of man's flesh, man's imperfect flesh. And everything, every effort that man makes with his own flesh is doomed to failure. So that's why Paul makes a very, very, if you read the, if you read the New Testament, the demarcation is very, very clear. And he says, because it says in Romans eleven six, and if it by grace, if, if it be by grace, then it is no more of works. It's either one or the other. If it is by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. That means that if you have grace, and the moment you inject works into it, then grace is no longer grace. The very essence of grace is that it excludes all works because the moment you bring human effort into it, it ceases to be grace. So there is no grace that is 99% grace and 1% works. It doesn't work that way. Grace has to be total, pure, 100% grace because the moment you bring works into it is no longer grace. So that's why it says, if it be by grace, then it is no more of works because then grace is no more grace. And the other way around is also true. The opposite is also true. But if it be by works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. So if you want to attain salvation by works, then, you know, you are beholden to the whole law. In fact, the Bible does say that if you if you begin to go in the direction of the law and say that, well, I will do these practices from the Old Testament and uh, because these are pleasing to God, I'll be accepted by God. Then you're really, really out on your own because then you exclude yourself from the grace of God because works will not allow any grace in it. Galatians chapter 5 verse 4. This is very interesting because 
the book of Galatians is written by Paul to, uh, there was a time when the, the Christians in Galatia were largely Jewish believers <coughs> and they were Judaizers who had crept in, who were trying to influence them. And the Judaizers, what they were saying is this, that, okay, you are saved by grace and you are in Christ, but after you are saved by grace, in order to please God, you have to keep the law. You have to be circumcised and you have to keep these certain elements of the Jewish law. You got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. And those people are the Judaizers. So Paul, if you keep that in mind that Paul was writing to the Galatian church who were uh, being kind of, you know, uh, with, with, because the Judaizers were getting in there and, and bringing their doctrines, their false doctrines into the Galatian church. If you understand that, then you'll understand why he says things like this. Because in Galatians 5 verse 4, it says, Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. What does that mean? That means that if you find your justification in the law, or if you look for your acceptance by God in the law, it says you are fallen from grace and Christ is of no effect in your life. What Jesus has done has zero effect in your life. And that's a very dangerous place to be because what he's saying is that, okay, you are believers in Christ. You're in Christ. That's great. But the moment you bring things from the Old Testament laws into your life and into your beliefs, into your practices, and people do that even these days. Some people think it enhances their Christian experience if they do a Jewish style, whatever, you know, ceremony and, uh, and or, or, or they keep certain feasts and all that. He said, you see, all those things are in the law. And the moment you find your justification, your acceptance by God in those things, uh, it says that you are fallen from grace. It's right here, Galatians 5, 4. So I tell people it's very, very dangerous to get involved with the law to even go out there. That's why I don't even touch it. I find my freedom totally in Jesus Christ and that's the gospel. Jesus Christ died for me and I'm accepted by God and, and that's it. So because it says here, because the moment you go in there, it says you are fallen from grace. Now, interestingly, that expression fallen from grace is used by the media, by the secular media who don't understand Christianity Whenever they report on a, uh, uh, they, whenever they report on a preacher who has fallen into sin or fallen into adultery or done something bad, then they say, "Oh, Reverend so and so is fallen from grace." Now, listen, sinning is not falling from grace. Falling from grace is actually when you put your trust in the law and you, or you put your trust in your own self righteousness to be ex accepted by God. That means you. You put your trust in, 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 in the observances of some of the laws of Moses. He says, that's when you're fallen from grace. Fallen from grace means not to sin, but it means to fall from grace. And it is very dangerous because you see, the whole concept of the law is that, uh, you know, in the five books of Moses, is that this is the law and the law is the whole law. You've got to keep the whole law. It's not a smorgasbord where you walk down the buffet line and you pick up the things you like. And that's what churches tend to do today. 
what they do is they, 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 they pick up certain parts of the law. Uh, you know, like uh, certain shawls you wear or you blow a shofar and, you know, certain things that uh, they, they assume that, uh, uh, that were done in the temple. You know, uh, you introduce certain Jewish practices and uh, you use some Jewish uh, jargon and lingo uh, because, you know, it's, it's, you know, those are the things that seem to be romantic. You, you know, you, you take those things and you incorporate them into Christian worship, but you can't do that. If you begin to tamper with the law, you're going to take the whole law. You also have to do other things like stoning adulterers. What church would do that? Stoning adulterers and circumcising people and, and stuff like that. But we don't want to touch those things, but those are also part of the law. So it's very important that we don't even go there because the moment you go there, you'll fall in from grace because grace and the law do not mix. Now, Here's the other thing is that if you, if you take a piece of paper and make two columns and just look through the scripture and look, you look for synonyms and antonyms, you know, you'll see if you make the column of grace, the words that go hand in hand with grace are faith, spirit, life. If you look to the scriptures, the words that are used in, in, in connection with the word grace, they are words like faith, spirit, life. But then if you take the word, the law, the law of Moses and make another column on that piece of paper, the law, and you look for words that are linked with the law, you'll see work, the words like works, flesh, death. It's interesting because grace goes hand in hand with works, uh, with words like faith, spirit, and life. And the law goes hand in hand with words like works, flesh and death. Now, here's another difference. Grace deals with the heart of man. The, the law deals with the flesh of man. The law deals with man's outward fleshly behavior. That's why the law, legalism is very easy to police. That's why many churches, they love legalism because it's very easy to, uh, you know, to, to put those rules down. Now, there are certain written rules but there's a lot of unwritten rules, you know, there's just some things that are not written anywhere, but it is generally it gets around, it's accepted by all that these are things you just don't do, you know, and there's no, uh, you know, people talk about, you know, a lot of different things where it's not written on any paper, but it's somewhere out there. It, it exists in cyberspace, you know, so everyone is supposed to know these are things you don't do. And, uh, and it all has to do with the flesh of man. Because the flesh of man is easy to police. You have a rule, anyone who breaks the law, well, he's guilty. And that's what the law is all about. And, but grace deals with the heart of man. Grace deals with the heart of man. And I can give you many, many, many example, examples. And uh, uh, let, let me give you one example. There, there was this guy in Sweden years ago, a new believer. I led him to the Lord. And good guy, he loved the Lord. And he was living with his girlfriend. And a lot of Swedish people do that. They don't get married, live together. So this young guy, I think he was 24, 25, living together with his girlfriend. And uh, so, uh, you know, I told him, uh, I used to spend a lot of time with him, doing, doing personal Bible studies with him. And I told him, I said, listen, brother, you, you cannot live with your girlfriend because uh, it is wrong. He asked me why. So I showed him from the scripture. I said, you know, sexual relations outside of marriage is just wrong. 
Uh, he said, but I love her. I said, I know you love her. I said, if you want to live together with her, you get married. And I can organize that. But uh, you can't live together like that. You can't have sex outside of marriage. And um, he said, okay, okay, fine. You know, I want to serve Jesus. So what he did was he actually moved out. He, moved, he honored that because she was not saved. He said, well, you know, uh, she, she's not a Christian. I become a Christian, not her. Uh, I said, okay, but I said, you can't live with her. So what he did, he actually moved out of there. So he moved out and then a few days later came, uh, a few days later he came and he says, he says, you know, uh, Pastor Christopher, I, I have sinned. I said, what have you done? He said, well, I went to see her and we ended up having sex. And uh, I said, well, you know, and he began to cry, he felt very guilty. I said, it's okay, well, let's pray together. So I prayed with him and I asked him to lead. I led him in a prayer asking he, where he asked the Lord to forgive him. I said, it's okay, don't worry. You know, it's okay. So anyway, so he was very earnest, you know, he was very eager. But then I would notice that every, like every week, you know, we met almost every day. Every week he would come back. He said, I did it again. And I had sex with her and all that. And anyway, it finally ended with, I decided to go to her and spend time with her and she gave her life to Jesus and they got married and are living together again. But now here's the thing, he's a guy, he's a new believer, okay? He is, he's a total novice. He does something that is bad. I think there's a huge difference between a man in his position doing that than somebody who's been a Christian for 25 years doing the same thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? The sin is exactly the same, but the person's position is life is different. So God, the grace of God deals with the heart of man. The law deals with people's flesh. Do you understand what I'm saying? What I'm saying is that, is that you see, you can have a person, let me give you another example. You can have a person committing adultery and it is wrong, but he claims to be a Christian claims to be a Christian, comes to church, he commits adultery, and it's wrong. I mean, he's been a Christian for many years. He's, he's basically a hypocrite. He's having sex. Then he says, well, I'm, I'm forgiven. I'm okay. You know, I, uh, Jesus bore my sins. I'm righteous. I'm forgiven. That he, but he makes it a lifestyle doing that thing. But then you have another guy who is a new believer, who loves Jesus, who is growing in the grace of God, but he has his weaknesses and he's growing, coming out of those things. And, and he's doing the same thing. But in his position, although the sin is the same, uh, if, you by, if you look at it by the law, both have committed the same sin. But if you look at by grace, you will see that God deals with the motives of the heart of man rather than his actions. Plus, he also looks at where that person is in life. And he also looks at the flow and the direction of the man's life. I mean, look, when I was a new believer, I made many, many mistakes. But if I, and, 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 and my leaders, they were very forgiving because they said, you know what, uh, um, brother, you, you're growing in God's grace. It's okay. Just leave this behind. Let's pray. And let's move on together. And I grew past those things. But if I today, after 45 years as a Christian, did the same thing, it would be different. Although the infraction, the sin itself is the same, it is the heart, the motive and my place in life and the direction of the flow of my life that is, that, that is different. So 
my point is that grace deals with the heart of man. God looks at man's heart and the law deals with the flesh of man. I hope you understand what I'm trying to say. I'm not condoning adultery uh, that is okay for certain people. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that the way God looks at people, people, God looks at people, he looks at the direction and the flow of their life. He reads their heart. I cannot read a man's heart, but God reads a person's heart. And that's why the Bible says, it says that don't, it says don't be deceived. He says that God, it says that God will not be deceived. What a man sows, he shall surely reap. So some people you know, they, they misuse grace. They say, well, I'm under grace, so I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm already forgiven. But you know what? You can deceive people, but you cannot deceive God because God will not be deceived. God sees the heart of man. He sees what is in here. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And that's why David, with all his sins, he was, <laughs> he was a man after God's own heart because God looked past his sins and what God saw was his brokenness and his repentant heart because every time David was confronted with a sin, he, I mean, he repented before God with tears and he was really truly broken. And that's what God looks at, okay? So uh, grace cannot mix with the law because the law looks at the flesh of man and grace looks at the heart of man. Grace looks at what God is doing in the heart of man and how that man is yielding and surrendering to God and how God is moving him from glory to glory. And the law deals with the law deals with the flesh of man. So because you can have here a cynical person who's been a Christian for 30 years, he's just using this grace thing to sin and do indulge in his flesh. And the two cases are very, very different because God reads the heart of both these people. So. Today's legalism, modern day, biblically, I said a few days ago, uh, legalism is really when, uh, when um, uh, people are told that they are to adhere to the laws of Moses in order to be accepted by God. And, but there's a modern day legalism in today's church, which is a mixture of certain Old Testament laws and some man-made laws and every denomination has its own set of laws depending upon the country, the region, and the culture. Say, for example, let me give one example. Here in the United States, it's okay for uh, Christians to go to movies, okay? But if you go to India and they find out that you go to movies, you go to cinema halls, you are going to hell. You are not saved. I mean, if you, in India, Indian Pentecostals, if they find out you ever went to a cinema hall, then they'll question your salvation. But on the other hand, it's okay for them if you rent the same DVD, the same movie on a DVD and watch it in your television set at home. That is okay. So then you wonder whether it's the movie or is it the building, the cinema hall itself. You see, religion doesn't make sense. And uh, in certain countries, Christians, they will play cards, not gambling, just cards friendly game of cards and other cultures, Christians won't play cards. And, uh, you know, every, all these legalistic laws, like, for example, in the United States, uh, women can wear trousers to church. They can wear jeans. They can wear decent trousers to church. In some countries, women cannot wear trousers to church. And they'll find an Old Testament scripture to justify that. Uh, you go to a place like Pakistan, women must have their head covered in church. Uh, and, and here in the United States, most churches don't. 
although some churches do require head covering. So it's different. You know, it's not picked from the Bible. It is all man-made. And uh, but if you look at James 2, 18 and 20, uh, James begins to talk about the law of liberty. So James is teaching and I'm reading what I've written down. James is teaching that instead of following the law of Moses, the Christian follows the law of liberty. That means that we are not just free from the law. Some people say, I'm free from the law of Moses. No, 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 no. You are free from the law of Moses, but you are not free to do as you please because the moment you are free from the law of Moses, we are not in a no man's land when there is no constraints, no laws. We come out of the law of Moses and we come into the royal law of love or the law of liberty. And it's like this, the law of Moses and the law of liberty are two different things. One is written on stone. The law of Moses is written on stone and was given to Israel. The other is written on the hearts of those in the new covenant. So the law of Moses is written on stone, but the law of liberty is written on the hearts of those who are in the new covenant. One is the law of Moses is the ministry of death. The other a ministry of life. One has power to condemn. The other brings power to please God. So the law of Moses, it has the power to condemn you to death. But the law of liberty that is in Christ Jesus, it brings power to us so we can please God and we can work for God and live for God. Hallelujah. So it's not just I'm free from the law so I can do what I like. No, I am under grace. And because I'm under grace, I'm under the royal law of liberty. And now I have the power, the ability to be victorious over sin, victorious over the works of darkness. And I have the power to please God. Hallelujah. And to serve him. Uh, now, when James speaks of the law of liberty, he's speaking. This is what he means. He means the whole law of God was fulfilled by Christ. And because <coughs> the law of God or the law of Moses were for, was fulfilled by Christ, we who are in Christ are no longer required to fulfill the law. But the sum and the essence of the law, that is to love God with all our hearts and to love our neighbors as ourselves, it still binds us today. And Jesus gave this to us as his commandment. So what it means that although I'm free from the law of Moses, and I'm under grace and the two don't mix. But being under grace means I'm bound to this one law, which is the royal law of liberty or the royal law of love. And that means you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, if you keep that, you have fulfilled the law and the covenant. That is what Jesus said. So that is what we are bound to by being under grace, we are bound to loving the Lord with all our hearts and to loving other people as we love ourselves. Praise God. Well, we will continue tomorrow and let's have a word of prayer now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Thank you for your hand upon each one of their lives, for your blessings upon them. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have borne all our sins, carried all our diseases and infirmities. And with your stripes, we have been healed. I thank you for this wonderful grace that we are under 
amazing grace that we are forgiven and we are set free and our lives are hidden in Christ in God. I thank you for my brothers and sisters and Lord continue to impart your word, your spirit to us. Father, and speak to us that we may bear much fruit for your glory in Jesus name. Amen.